Hi, and welcome to Matt Holman Talks Mental Health, the podcast where I have the opportunity to sit down and chat to amazing humans about their journeys through life. For this episode, I'm so happy to introduce Lucy Hine to the conversation. Welcome, Lucy. Hi, hi. Hello, hi. everyone. Hello, hello. Um, so these episodes are really special because they're talking about neurodiversity, um, focusing on neurodiversity and the different uh, topics. Uh, Lucy, we're going to be talking about ADHD for this conversation, but I'll let you do a very quick introduction to people, let them know a little bit about you, who you are, what you do. So, hello, everyone, again. I'm Lucy Hine, and I am a mental health professional. So I specialise in mental health training, therapy and coaching. But I was diagnosed with ADHD and this is and I'm here to talk about that um yeah okay privately practice I'm in my garden yeah that's all I want to say at this point actually Matt I think I'm good all right <laughs> brilliant okay so private practice in your garden and ADHD and mental health professionals so lots of things <laughs> we're going to unravel in this as well and there's a yeah. reason why you do what you do and why you're so good at what you do as well so um Let's talk about your journey with with neurodiversity, because that's the, the flavour for these conversations. Um, I'm just going to pass that over to you, Lucy. Tell us a bit of a story about your life and uh, you know your diagnosis. Well, my diagnosis is fairly recent, so very recent, actually, this year. So I had my assessment in January um, and then received my report. But I must say, to confirm everything that I've been thinking my whole life. Right. 37 so yeah my 37 years I have felt different so it is an interesting one when I talk about neurodiversity because I would say that I was born different anyway and had an awareness of being different and I'll touch on why I felt that way in a moment but the diagnosis has come through here I am it's ADHD and I have such a positive spin on my ADHD because I have 37 years of evidence on how I believe ADHD and the symptoms of ADHD has worked for me and helped me to thrive in life actually Matt. Brilliant well I'm I'm, yeah, I'm really pleased to hear that and that's obviously one of the reasons we want to put these stories out there is so that people see you know it's not actually the negative so much the negatives of it but we'll talk about those a little bit as well but but let's talk about those sort of experiences then so you've got many examples I'm sure Give us some flavours and ideas as the things that have happened in your life prior to the, you know, the assessment that's only just taken place a few months ago. Yeah. So when I was born, I was born with a rare congenital disease called Hirschsprung's disease. Um, and that is super serious. So even now, people who are born with Hirschsprung's disease um, are born with a problem in their bowel. So um that's it really the intestines something isn't working and you have to have serious medical intervention surgery to be able to correct the problem um and I was kind of discharged from Hirschsprung's disease around the age of 10 um so what my first sort of chapter I would say in life I was always aware of my difference that I was leaving school to attend medical appointments my body my tummy always looked different from the other girls in PE I had to hide away when I was getting changed for netball or great swimmer man I'm a good swimmer yeah but I was very aware of that in a you know in a swimsuit as a young person as a young adult sort of as I grew into my teen years adolescence my difference was I mean I've worn my my scars across my tummy to remind me of my difference every single day of my life so yeah. How I coped with that, I credit my ADHD, um, the resilience of, of living through major surgery. I've had over 10 abdominal corrective surgeries. Not all of them were easy. 
Um, but I say not all of them because a lot of them I didn't remember. I was a newborn baby and had my my first surgery at, at one day old, three days old and, wow. and so forth. So more trauma and traumatic for my parents, of course, as opposed to me. Um, so I, I wrote a book called Born to be Different and it was all about my Hirschsprungs and how I sort of developed a resilience and a positive outlook on life because I I was sort of living and breathing the outcome of when something goes wrong and you nearly die a few times um this is this is how it is this is how this is what happens I was living every day remembering I have major scars across my abdomen but as I was told by my parents that's because they kept you alive Lucy you were born for a reason so so just keep moving forward and my parents form a huge part of who I am today of course and I, I credit them massively especially my dad for how he's helped me with my mindset and just sort of appreciating my own ADHD symptoms along the way I suppose of my 37 years because it's only when you I suppose not many people talk about what happens when you get diagnosed and mm. you go on a bit of a timeline you look back and and you you try and make sense you try and navigate your life before the diagnosis and I suppose positives and negatives so very impulsive behaviors in my adolescence beyond a a sort of normal whatever that is you know adolescent stage I suppose the impulsivity and risk-taking and general energy for life and being very irritable very busy um yeah it's, yeah. it's an interesting one when you get diagnosed because you automatically, I suppose I have gone back over the years and thought, ah, oh, <laughs> that'll be why that'll be why I did that. Or that'll be why I said that in that conversation mm. at Christmas. What was I thinking? I've upset like however many family members or, oh, that was why I did that on a night out with the girls when I was however old. And yeah, it, it kind of helped me make sense, I suppose, and validate mm. my, my life to this point. And you mentioned in there you wrote a book, Born to be Different. You didn't know you had ADHD at that time, right? No, no. I think even writing a book. So I've come from the aviation industry. I worked in the aviation industry for 16 and a half years. And it's very interesting because I believe that that industry masked my symptoms for me because of the fast pace, because of the characters, Um, the personality styles and types of my colleagues. Mm. I felt very, very much at home with the fast-paced, organised structure and routine and vibrancy of being myself, being an individual in a diverse industry. And people would say all the time, gosh, Lucy, you should really write a book, the way you are and just how you're coping with this. Or you should be writing a book or you should have a film... They would say, Lucy, you should have a bloody film crew coming around with you in your life, all these things that <laughs> are happening. A little documentary, yeah. Yeah. So I did. So sort of when I got to the, you know, a few years on, obviously, and I left the aviation industry at the beginning of the pandemic, taking the opportunity of voluntary redundancy and, and working full time for myself, self-employed, I was able to finance a, a book and... I just I just did it I did it for me and I wanted to tell my story and it was just one of the things I wanted to do and people around me have always encouraged me to to do so so um yeah that's the book Born to be Different Lucy Hine 
And how much could you read back in there now and go, that was me and that was my ADHD? Um, 100% of it. Is it? So it's a true <laughs> it's, reflection of who you were. 100%. I, I think, do you know what, Matt? People have said to me, how are you so positive? Why are you so positive? And a lot of people have almost doubted me for, right. but surely you have a bad day or surely hmm. you're, but is this real? Like, is this real? Yeah. Are, you, are you just like, what, what is happening? And I look back and I genuinely think that when you apply the understanding of ADHD and the symptoms of ADHD, one of the core factors and characteristics is anybody who is diagnosed with ADHD ADHD or not or just simply understands it if you have a passion for something and an interest for something you can absolutely thrive in what that passion is and what that area is what whatever it is you know it doesn't have to be a certain thing it can be anything that that resonates with you and what happened was I became my own fascination so I became my own interest so I became so interested in who Lucy Heim was as I was sort of going through I call it therapy school and getting all my qualifications whilst I was working for the airline and that's why I look at the book now and think well a hundred percent of it is fueled by ADHD um because I'm not sure that I've met many other people outside of a neurodiverse perspective who have lived with a rare congenital disease or survived surgery and had the same take on things as I have um processing anxiety anxiety mm. with PTSD recognizing trauma in the family and very self-explorative and mm. a journey for not only myself but my family too yeah I, I I find it fascinating thank you Lucy for sharing all of that and you know it's, it's interesting isn't it as a having the ability to see these things and, and learning more about ourselves in these journeys it comes to a quite an interesting point though of 37 years old having a diagnosis of ADHD what, what prompted that to happen why did you think I need to do this yeah I, I suppose when you get told like all your life that um, I've not met anybody like you like hmm. you're kind of different and people talk to you in that way I I must say that's not always um healthily received when people are aware of your difference and you're not yeah. in yeah. a room of people um yeah. matched with being a mum and watching my children grow and seeing almost a mirror image of myself every right. day um right. especially in my son who is incredibly successful for his age with sport Okay. Um, and recognizing myself as a young swimmer and athlete and, and the energy uh, and starting to apply the theory of ADHD um, to him. So sort of blending my professional and personal skill set and observation. Yeah. Um, I thought, actually, he's still young, primary school age. I'm I'm referring people um, a fair amount for ADHD assessments or specialising in anxiety disorders. It it can go quite hand in hand with the adrenaline and and symptoms that are present in anxiety and and the amount of cortisol that's running through us anyway as general ADHD people. Yeah. Um. I thought actually I don't want to put him through that if it just transpires I don't have any 
neurodiversity at all. I don't have ADHD. This could just be Lucy and I could genuinely be a very positive, resilient person. And, and that's that. So I've referred myself. So um, that's, that's sort of the, the pathway that I took yeah. was because I thought, how can I help my children and specifically my child to continue mm. to thrive in the area that he is already doing so but in such a positive way that actually yeah. if a young person is aware of their difference early on just as it was for me you know without the ADHD lens I was aware of my difference very early on I had parents that educated supported me with such resilient positive language and outlook and environment I I feel an obligation to do that for both of my children, but especially with my son for ADHD yeah. tendencies. Um, <clears throat> and he's booked in for, for his assessment and his barrier to learnings in April yeah. as a result of my diagnosis because it is genetic. Um, yeah, yeah I, I feel like it's an obligation to do that, to help him yeah. live potentially a happier and healthier life whilst embracing his neurodiversity. Yeah. Absolutely. And I and I wholeheartedly agree with all of that. I think it's fascinating from some of the conversations I've had with other people and, you know, the parent becomes the the one that then goes forward for the diagnosis first. And yeah. it's almost like, you know, I, I want to make it a safe environment for all of us to talk about this. Just just on that thought. So you you mentioned your parents have been really supportive in your life. Of course, they, you know, you've been through a lot. Um, you've already explained that. How or you know what sort of conversations have you had with you know family members or, or mm. people who are closer to you now that you know sort of what's going on how's how's mm. that been received yeah I, I spoke about sort of the timeline that automatically mm. happened and I believe happens for a lot of people when they obtain diagnosis you kind of look back and I think one of the key things of it the condition being genetic I resonated with how similar I am to my dad Right. And spoke very honestly and openly with my parents of, I you know, I feel like I connect more with dad than I do with anybody else around a dinner table. Why is that? You know, if I'm working successfully as a mental health coach, psychotherapist, why am I not connecting with my own family around a dinner table? Like, mm. I can't be good at what I do professionally, but not good at interacting with my own family. So... I, I was very open early on about the reasons why I was wanting to put myself forward for diagnosis and yeah. and said, I don't, you know, I don't really expect anything from any of you. Just this is something that I'm doing for me and my son. And I shared the report and I've, I've noticed that since the report, which is lengthy, so yeah. it's quite an obligation, I suppose, to send that over, mm -hmm. you know, however many pages for other family members to have the time to want to read that and, and understand me because I have a sister and I'm not the easiest person to live with certainly growing up as a young person and a young adult I didn't have a very healthy relationship so to now ask her to read a however many page report on who I am why why would she want to do that yeah so so sort of stayed in a a neutral space of this is the report this is my diagnosis. And if you would like to read it, it's it's available for you to read. Yeah. But it makes sense why. I hope young children aren't going to watch this. Why I told you that Father Christmas wasn't real and just blurted that out one day. Why I, you know, in your opinion, created an argument over Christmas dinner one time or mm. I just couldn't see anything from your perspective or maybe this is why. Maybe it's not. Yeah. 
it's not the sole cause, right? I, oh, I appreciate I could generally be a bit of an arse, you know, like I'm not perfect. But... We all can. We all can. Don't worry. <laughs> that yeah. makes me feel better. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, again, it's just fascinating, isn't it? It's all sort of those relationships and, and those are people that have been with you all your life. Uh, they've seen you all your all your life and and it's that question then of if only you know i i always reflect and think well if only i knew that earlier or if i was aware of that sooner and that's yeah. one of the reasons why these stories are so powerful i genuinely believe is because we're sharing the reality of what it's like but we want people to know earlier what's going on so that they're able to support themselves better or at least know what they looks like um in terms of supporting yourself so obviously, now that you're aware of what's going on, you're albeit you you probably already knew you know for for a long time that there was something there. How do you look after yourself? What what's your sort of self care sort of element now with all of that? Because there's a lot of stuff to go you know with, with ADHD. Of course, there's the highs and then there's the lows. And 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 how do you how do you manage that for yourself, Lucy? I suppose I look at it as a complete parallel with mental health, and I mm-hmm. yeah. I think this is why the interest for me is only growing and has grown considerably since the diagnosis because early intervention is Mm. vital and how I'm looking after myself is by embracing my ADHD as a valid experience of, of who I am so not shying away from it and actually talking about my ADHD in conversation even with clients um doing things like this with you Matt so that's one of the first things is not not hiding from it and, yeah. and acknowledging it within my experience and utilizing the report, actually, sort of recognizing that a lot of my struggles in life um, sat very much identified in academic um, side of things. So reading lengthy reports and articles and studying psychology, you can appreciate there was a lot of articles and experiences that I've sort of had to come against and it's only shown me that I must have had such an interest for the subject that I specialize in because I I stayed with it and and found different ways of of adapting so I look after myself from almost a spectrum in answer to your question by recognizing that I do need longer time in between my clients because I use my hyper focus and my super alert attention with every client I work with so I sometimes have a two-hour break in between clients sometimes I don't work a morning and I only work an afternoon or an evening and embrace that that my organization and structuring of my business knowing that my clients get the very best of me at all times because I am looking after myself very well and also appreciating how much downtime I need because with ADHD there is so much hyperactivity in the brain that it's very difficult sometimes to recognize when it's important to switch off and I recognize that my physical health will be what indicates that to me so I'll get a headache or I'll recognize I haven't had lunch or I'm only snacking or I'm having way too much coffee or an energy drink or what what am I doing I haven't had a meal so self-care and managing ADHD is an ongoing daily practice just as it would be for my mental health and and what I would preach to anybody else about their mental health so I I don't see it any differently I just look at it as yeah I keep structured within my approach I have to keep structured Mm. Um, or I'd end up burning out I I would end up working all hours and yeah I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be well at all yeah, no, it makes perfect I'm sense. Exhausted. 
yeah. yeah. And, it, and life can be exhausting anyway, even, you know. Anyway. Yeah. You know, that's that's the beauty of it, isn't it? Um, Lucy, we are coming towards the end of this conversation, believe it or not. It's, it, it really is a shame, but I will let you sort of say the final words as well. So very um, sort of Jerry Springer style, right? But um, any anything you want to share as a like final thoughts, just a couple of minutes or so, just, you know, things that you think is important for other people out there listening to this to consider um, or maybe just some advice or whatever you want to say, really, or any motivational quotes that you've got. I always like a motivational thought as well at the end. So I'll throw that one over to you. I think for me, it's always trust yourself. So trust your own intuition on something. Mm -hmm. If you know that that just doesn't feel right, or you recognise in a, in a room that you feel different or you don't fit in or there's something there that makes you feel less of yourself or shame for yourself. Try not to, to hide that or sit on that for too long. Figure it out. Find out why. Why do I feel like I don't fit in here? Or why do I feel like this has happened to me on counselling courses, in school, in social settings. All of my life, I felt different. Oh. But it doesn't have to sit in a negative space. You can get the right support, whether that's diagnosis or not, whether that's medication for some people or not. You can get help. There are people out there that can support you on your journey by simply embracing who you are and embracing your difference. Maybe if you feel different in a room, full of people is because that room was never meant for you in the first place that actually something better is waiting for you in the next room or in the next chapter of your life or whatever that I think too many of us are trying to conform to things that we have to fit in um within society or within our families or our friendship groups and I say embrace the difference and be proud of your difference because yeah. it is my belief that the world needs more people like us with neurodiversity to have a creative spin and, and thought process on on problems that are going on you know and I know that that was meant to be one sort of motivational quote but this is somebody with ADHD that definitely can't answer it <laughs> but it wasn't three hours so it was, it uh, wasn't you, three you hours. did well yeah you did well you kept it in yeah. the framework of two minutes so I love that so brilliant go. and uh, a motto for life from you anything what do you what do you live by what do I live by? Be be yourself. Be yourself. That I don't know. Okay. I'm I'm myself. Be yourself. I, yeah. I want to be different. I'm, I don't know. Be different. I, whatever that is. Be be different. This, it, yeah. If you if you're born to conform, what boring place it would be. I, well, I don't know. There we go. I, there we go. Not everybody's going to like you, but it's not <laughs> our job to have people like us. I don't. I don't know. You know what? Let's let's the get the balance. Will find, the people will find. Your, your people will find you, you know, yeah, you'll, you'll yeah. find each other. So yeah. we don't have to just fit in, even if it's hard, but it's really hard. Mm. Yeah, I really appreciate that. And you talked about the chapters of your life and you're in a new chapter because now the new yeah. you know, awareness of what's going on. So that's going yeah. to help to drive your future. Um, Lucy, it's been an absolute pleasure having this conversation Thanks. with you. Um, I love listening to you talking about your, you know, your experience and 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 everything else, because you've got a, such a wonderful perspective and insights, of course, as everybody does in these conversations. And that's just the thought, isn't it? It's, it's wouldn't it be great if we could all just sit down around the table or on a Zoom call or in a meeting or wherever it is and just tell people who we really are versus yes. having to keep pretending and putting masks over everything to just conform to normality. Um, Lucy, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank I wish you, you all the very best. Thank you. Thank you.
you're welcome <laughs> and thank you and uh and for anybody listening um please you know we hope you enjoy these sessions uh or these conversations and if you'd like to get involved please feel free reach in um always looking for new guests in the future so thank you so much lucy take care of yourself and i will speak to you very soon thanks very much Matt. Okay. You too. bye everyone